making critical care medicine faster and more efficient. You're listening to Reach MD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Medical Imaging. I'm Dr. Jason Bernholtz, your host, and with me today is Dr. Eyal Herzog, who is an assistant professor of clinical medicine at the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons, where he's working on a streak of four consecutive Teacher of the Year awards, and he's director of cardiac care at the St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital in New York City. Today we're discussing pocket ultrasound and critical care. Hello, Dr. Herzog. Thank you for joining us. I use the term pocket ultrasound as a way of illustrating that the new ultra-portable ultrasound units are quite small. How do these units compare in performance with the larger devices? Yes, they are small, and we can actually put them in our pockets. We did study, we did compare the imaging quality of these small, we actually call them echoscopes, this is our term for them, compared to our high-end echo machines. And surprisingly, at least for the two-dimension imaging that we obtain in critical care setting, we were very happy to find that this imaging are excellent and okay. equivalent to the high-end machines. Oh, good. Well, if you have a cardiologist or, let's say, a hospitalist with critical care patients or an internist that has mostly cardiac patients and they're not currently using ultrasound, would they be comfortable with one of these small units or should they start with something else? I mean, they have to be trained first. At least the study we had performed, uh, the performer or the operator of the device well, echo technicians or cardiology fellows or attendings who are trained to perform ultrasound. So it's not yet applicable to all physicians because they have to be first trained to perform and interpret an echo imaging. That's true of any procedure, essentially. Well, I mean, the units are, they're fragile, they're expensive. Now, are they meant to be carried around mainly by a physician or in your unit? Do you leave them in a drawer and have anybody on the unit use it who, of course, is competent to use it? Yeah, if you have a competent user, well, we can leave them in the unit or next to the unit. And when the patient presents, you know, they can just pick it up and use it. Or if the on-call physician is in the unit, he can carry it the same way he carries his stethoscope. Oh, well, do you carry one around? I do not carry one around because at this point, this is only a research tool for us. And we do not use it as yet as a clinical tool till we're actually showing that it's replacing the tool. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say, oh, yes, I carry it around and I use it on morning rounds to check people instead of using my stethoscope. No, this is, we are not there yet. We are far away from replacing the stethoscope. Suppose you're asked to see a patient. He's brought into the emergency room. He's diaphoretic. He has chest pain. Let's say, you know, he's alert and stable with no, no wild factors. You were there to see him. You have this portable unit. Would you kind of step through what you think you might see or want to look at? If I, uh, we have to be very careful here because at this point, we just to compare the quality of imaging to test this hypothesis that this is the right tool to use. So at this point, as of today, we are actually not using it in our clinical scenarios when we're actually facing patients. However, a few years on the road, a few months on the road, when this mature and the technology improved, I do believe that there is a room to carry, you know, a cardiologist should carry this kind of transducer, which is not heavy, and you can actually have it in your pocket and actually help you to diagnose a patient. It's not going, I mean, you're still going to examine the patient. Well, sure. I mean, I just want to short-circuit that. And in a sense, if you want to think back to using a conventional 
echocardiography unit that you wheeled up to the patient, it really should be the same since you said the image quality is similar. Again, it's the question of the maturity of the device. The device we are testing, yet, they do not have a color flow yet. So if you don't have a color flow, you still cannot make a diagnosis of leaking valve or mitral rotation, arterial rotation, etc., which are critical in critically ill patients. So you still need to examine the patient for murmurs. However, I do believe that within the next 6 or 12 months, the manufacturer will have this color imaging with their small echo units. At this point, I do believe that actually if you are trained to do it, it can replace the full-size echo machine in critical care setting where you do not need to get the entire information that you obtain with a full echo. For a lot of people who are not doing ultrasound and order studies but are not quite aware of what the physician gets when looking directly and you know what to look for. So if you want to step back to a few years ago and you have a two-dimensional echocardiography unit without color flow, for example, and you are faced with a patient that has chest pain, what are the things, and you've examined him, you know, just in terms of the ultrasound, you're putting the probe on, looking, what do you tend to look for? What do you think of? What might you see? What I've done over the years, I have developed different pathways for management of acute coronary syndrome, chest pain, heart failure. One thing is for sure, if someone comes with acute myocardial infarction or to be proposized, the ST elevation myocardial infarction, we do not want to waste any time for imaging anyway. We base our clinical decision based on the electrocardiogram and based on the patient's symptoms. If there is clear ST elevation on the EKG, the patient goes to the cat lab for primary angioplasty. Imaging delays care in this patient. So imaging comes to the management of the acute coronary syndrome and heart failure patient only when you really do have the time to obtain the imaging and not to delay care. At that point, if you do not want to wield the big echo machine, you don't have it available there, then this small machine can help you. For example, cases that related to critical care can be pericardial effusion, assess of wall motion analysis or wall motion abnormality in the setting of a normal EKG, for example, when you are not certain what's the next step in management of patient. But it has to be very clear. If you really have this ST elevation myocardial infarction, you do not, you do not perform an echo. You're just going to delay the care. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Jason Bernholtz, and I'm speaking with Dr. Eyal Herzog. We are discussing pocket ultrasound in critical care. Dr. Herzog, let's say you're monitoring somebody in congestive failure. In that case, what are the things you might want to look for when you have the time to image? So this is actually a very important question. When someone presents with acute heart failure, for example then you may want to diagnose if we are talking about LV systolic dysfunction, where there is decrease in left ventricle function and motion. In this situation, this small tool can help you to identify the wall motion. It will identify that the patient's ejection fraction is reduced or severely reduced. And this can help you, for example, in diagnose this group of patients for patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy who can present with the same symptoms of acute heart failure. However, they have very thick walls with hyperdynamic function of the heart, and the treatment will be completely opposite. In the first group of patients, you want to give a medication that will improve the function of the heart, while the second group of patients, you want to give a medication which actually reduces the function of the heart, for example, a beta blocker. So this tool will be great to identify acute heart failure, to identify if it is systolic dysfunction or 
hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, for example. So this is great at that in this situation. What about if you have a situation of an ambulance where you have the transit time is, and you've stabilized the patient? Is there a, a role there for these units? If the performance of the procedure will not delay care, then it can be helpful. For example, evaluation of pericardial effusion on tamponade. You may want or may not want to use specific therapy if you do have pericardial effusion. In the case of myocardial infarction, for example. It's great to evaluate mechanical complication of myocardial infarction. Again, we are still waiting for the color imaging to be added to this modality. However, if you have someone with a new murmur when you examine the patient and you want to evaluate why they have this new murmur, you can exclude mechanical complication, for example, mitral rotation, free wall rupture with pericardial effusion, ventricular septal defect, right ventricle function. These are all mechanical complications that uh, may, if you have the time in the ambulance, can lead to better treatment for the patient. Now, are you just looking at the wall movement patterns, or are you documenting these in some way, or are you doing any... When we use it, we still use it as a research tool. So what we do in all our patients, they get a full study by the high-end echo machine, and we get the best that the uh, small echo machine can provide. So we can measure wall thickness, we can grade wall motion, we can grade and measure pericardial effusion if exists, we can evaluate valve motion, however, we cannot yet evaluate valve regurgitation because we don't have the color flow. And these are the basic things we do at this point. When you're using these units, I mean, experimental or otherwise, are the findings documented in some way, or is this very much like fluoroscopy, where you look and you say, aha, I see something, and then you write it down? You tape it. It's a, it's a small computer. You get a video screen that you can tape and you save it. It's all digital. You download your computer. And you can analyze it later or at the same time of obtaining the imaging, but you can review it later on. It's all digital imaging. Oh, so you can determine ejection fractions and do more quantitative things. Sure. You can bring it later to your computer, to your desktop, download the imaging and measure things that you want to measure. What about using this in conjunction with stress testing? This is too early. I mean, we do have small echo machines, not the what we call the echoscope or the in-pocket echoes, but small hand echo machine, some of them do have the feature of performance stress testing. But I don't think this is where this tool is going in the right direction because when you bring someone for a stress testing, anyway, you want the best quality, the best imaging, and you're going to use the high-end machine. We do a lot of stress testing in our institute with echo imaging. Well, then let me turn that around the other way. Since you are in a, a critical care unit, I'm sure you have every possible kind of equipment anybody could ever want on wheels to be brought anywhere instantly or at least I would imagine that. Uh, why are you thinking of using this at all? Okay, so let's go to the way how a real critical care unit a sick patient looks like. There are probably like six drips uh, coming through the, you know, the veins of the patient. There are a ventilator occupying space in the room, and you really do not have the feasibility to bring this large high-end echo machine next to the patient in the right position. And, you know, things are changing every second. So if you really want a tool that will examine the patient with things happen, you have to be fast. And things can happen in 10 minutes. And you can, we can we image the patient in another 10 minutes when you round on another patient. So this, you cannot just wheel another, you know, heavy machine from room to room when there is space, even though all our you know, units, you know, large rooms, but still in a very sick patient, usually the rooms are busy with a lot of equipment. So. Well, what are the things 
that you find from the small unit, let's say you're using this all the time, that your other monitoring things on these critically ill patients are not showing you? The key is timing in critical care. It's feasibility. You have it, you can make a quick diagnosis, it can help you to save patients. We will patient directly from our CCU or based on imaging to the OR for cases of aortic dissections, tamponade, pericardial effusion, which led to tamponade situation in this, uh, like this. My thanks to Dr. Al Herzog, who has been our guest. We've been discussing pocket ultrasound and critical care. Dr. Herzog, thank you very much. I hope you'll keep us updated on your work. Okay, thank you very much. I'm Dr. Jason Bernholtz, and you've been listening to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, now featuring podcasts of this and other featured series. Thank you for listening.